2: I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program.
1: Good morning, Tom. How you
2: doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right.
0: Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program.
2: Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
5: Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Tom Sumner. My guest this hour has done something I've been waiting for for uh, many, many years, and that is uh, brought about the return of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson in a uh, book called Uh, The Book of Extraordinary New Sherlock Holmes Stories. Um, He is, uh, in fact, um, Maxim Jakubowski. I think I'm saying that right, and he joins me by phone. Maxim, welcome to the show.
6: Nice to be on. Um,
5: Maxim, I have to tell you, I am a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. How did you get interested in... uh, in coming up with new Sherlock Holmes stories?
6: Well, basically, uh, like anybody who loves, obviously, books, who loves uh, mysteries and thrillers, uh, how could I not be a Sherlock Holmes fan and have been, obviously, since my teens? Uh, and the fact that well over a century later, everybody is still reading them, but, of course, they aren't anymore. So since... Uh, the uh, characters fell out of copyright Uh, it's now legal for people to write new Sherlock Holmes stories uh, as they have done obviously uh, movies or tv series and uh, it occurred to me uh, that uh, wouldn't it be a great idea to ask a lot of the best uh, crime and mystery thriller writers in America in the UK and even some in Australia and Canada uh... why don't you write a new story uh, not so much bring him up to date like obviously the benedict cumberbatch tv series but basically write a story in the old tradition and uh... i sent out a call for submissions to many of his writers i mean i happen to be the vice chair of the british crime writers association so i have obviously regular contact with uh, virtually anybody who writes in the mystery field and i was delighted by the response uh, there was such a high response that, in fact, uh, Volume 1 uh, is just about to appear in the United States, and I've just delivered Volume 2 because we were deluged by so many great stories, so there will be another volume next year.
5: Oh, that's wonderful news. I I, I have to apologize, Maxim. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it is on my Christmas list. I will definitely mm. be reading this book because I read all the Arthur uh, Conan Doyle stories many many years ago as you did and and a lot of other people did obviously and when it was all done i couldn't help thinking but wait i i I want more and i ended up reading some of the most ridiculous knockoffs i don't i don't know if you've experienced that Uh, Uh, there
6: have been there have been a lot of bad ones i must admit I,
5: i i read one i don't i i suppose i shouldn't pick on this one but um sherlock holmes in dallas (laughs) <laughs> and, I know the one. <laughs> are, you're familiar with it. Okay, so Indeed. that's how hungry I was for stories. So when I say I've been waiting a long time for you to do exactly what you've just done, I'm I'm not kidding. And there have been some some good treatments. Nicholas Myers did a nice treatment. Yeah. Uh, and and there are some others. Um. But uh, but this is this is different, and and it's different in that it attempts to add to the catalogue of those Victorian Sherlock Holmes stories. Indeed. Because it seems weird to me, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, Maxim, but when I see Sherlock Holmes with a Palm Pilot, it just, it's not the same stories.
6: Mm -hmm. No, indeed. Uh, And uh, what happened is obviously when you commission as an editor, I mean, I have done nearly a 100 collections of stories over the last 40 years on different themes. I actually did a Moriarty volume about uh, eight or nine years ago, which did very well, The New Adventures of Moriarty, in which, of course, Sherlock appeared, although not in all stories. Some were devoted purely to Moriarty. But uh, when I asked uh, some of my favorite writers, uh, what do you want to write about? Uh, And in a way, gave them carte blanche. They didn't have to... uh, write within the canon, i.e., there are stories in the Conan Doyle uh, canon uh, which are evoked by Watson, but which were actually never written, and uh, some people have tried to write those stories, i.e., The Giant Rat of Sumatra, for instance, is often referred to by by Dr. Watson, but uh, Conan Doyle never wrote a particular one, so of course a lot of people have since written their version of it. Uh, the John Rat of Sumatra. But uh, what happened is that people came up with so many different approaches because there's just, in my opinion, uh, so much talent out there. And um, Holmes and the way he investigates the period in which uh, he operates just still fascinates so many people. And uh, like you, they they just want more. And the idea was to provide more, but at a certain level of quality, uh so I can
5: assure you, not one of the stories is set in Dallas. Oh, good. I'm <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, Maxim. Um, it, because one the the um, I, I once sat down and, and uh, read all of the stories pretty much nonstop, mm. and it was in a book that was annotated. So. You know, the little references to London neighborhoods and and streets and and all of that, are there as much a character as Holmes and Watson?
6: Well, very much so. I mean, London is, and obviously, when uh, Sherlock ventures beyond uh, the city, uh, um, which he does quite often, of course, but London is very much an essential character. It's part of a Sherlock Holmes legend, uh, and to this day... uh, People all over the world, sti- when they haven't been to London, still think of London as the city in which Sherlock Holmes operated. may I- think the smog uh, that surrounds the city, when in fact uh, it's c- so rather amusing because, I mean, We haven't had an instance of bad fox, bad uh, fog uh, since the nineteen six, since the early nineteen sixties, and I remember, in fact, I mean, I couldn't see beyond putting my hand in front of my eyes, and I couldn't see it, and I had to walk from the city to East London, where I then lived. Uh, but a lot of people, I mean, I've met people, um, I lived in Italy for four years, and when uh, my wife and I moved uh, to Italy, people said, ah, you're from London, the fog, the fog. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least they didn't ask me if I had a handsome carriage.
5: I, I saw a uh, one of the William Gillette plays um, down in Detroit uh, many, many years ago. And Leonard Nimoy played uh, Sherlock Holmes, which was kind of uh, kind of interesting. Um, but one of the things they did, and I got the biggest kick out of it, Maxim, is I was sitting fairly far back and um, in the cheap seats, as it were. And um, they they used a, a fog machine for an exterior <laughs> scene, and then at the end of the scene, when they needed to change the set. They used these big fans to blow the fog off the stage, but it poured out into the audience. So all these people with front-row seats were down there coughing and wheezing, and I thought, well, maybe my seats aren't so
6: bad. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully uh, Mr. Nimoy didn't have to go down into the audience to solve why somebody choked to death.
5: Well, that's, that's true, but it was, uh, you know, it, I, don't, I don't think the, that the fog they used was lethal. No, indeed. Um, but uh, this is, is such a fascinating project. I interviewed a guy a while back who had the opportunity to finish and publish a Mark Twain story.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And I, it, I, I thought of that when I was looking over material about this book um, of the new uh, Sherlock Holmes stories if there's an effort to try to recreate Watson's voice, or, you know, more succinctly, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's voice?
1: Mm-hmm.
6: Well, obviously, Doyle never left any uh, unfinished Sherlock stories, which has spared us, obviously, uh, further bad imitations. So uh, I think the, best, the better writers, I mean, many of the writers that I feature in the book but also writers who've written outside uh, i mean there are you mentioned obviously nicolas Meyer, the seven percent solution the canary trainer um also uh, um the california writer um, uh laurie king has written some excellent stories in which which go after which take place after uh, sherlock holmes's retirement to um Cultivated bees, and are actually Mary Russell's uh, stories, i.e., his wife. Uh, but there have been uh, some excellent writers who've done novels, but uh, not not enough people have actually done short stories. And my own, in my own opinion, and a lot of Sherlock Holmes expert might uh, differ. I think the best of Sherlock Holmes, uh, of the of Sherlock Holmes, is in the short stories, not in the few novels. Of course, many people think of Sherlock Holmes and think there are just so many novels, but in fact, they were only four novels.
5: That's right, and something like, what, 56 short stories in the... Uh, exactly,
6: yeah. ...in the catalogue? Yeah, indeed. So, uh, I think uh, the characters of Holmes and Watson lend themselves so much better to the, short, to the short story, which is short, which is effective, where you've got the plot, you've got the mystery, and because, obviously, Sherlock Holmes arrives in the story right at the beginning of any new story, you already know everything about him, so it's not as if you don't need a novel. You need, All you need is Sherlock and his little grey cell, his hall of memory, uh, and uh, somebody knocking on the door, or crime is committed, and... Uh, you follow the story and wonder how is he solving how is he solving it or how is he going to solve it?
5: Yeah, it's it 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 really kind of just starts out with uh, very often with Holmes and Watson in their sitting rooms at two twenty one B Baker Street and uh Mm -hmm. someone comes rushing in and needs help and the game's afoot and we're you know knee deep in uh crime solving almost immediately and that's one of the things that makes them so easy to read because it 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 starts right out and gets right to it
6: and uh and Doyle uh and uh, I hope uh many of the contributors to my collection, uh, make it look so easy when, in fact, writing a perfect little short story with a characterization, the plots, the twists, the mysteries, uh, I mean, it's it's a major feat of intellectual engineering, uh, and uh, I think that's what makes uh, the form of a short story so attractive to many writers, and also a major challenge.
5: And and. Uh... So, how many um, how many stories are there in the book? Uh,
6: there are seventeen stories in this volume, and uh, seventeen in uh, the next one, which will appear next year. Uh, seven of which I held over from volume one because, basically, what happened is uh, I had a few hundred submissions, and I read read them all, and I basically narrowed it down to uh, sort of around twenty three twenty three or so stories, uh, and. Um, basically um, spoke to uh, my publishers and we agreed this would make the book, it would be too expensive, it would be much too long, it would be over 450 pages which wouldn't fit into the format of uh, the anthologies I've been doing for them which I've done on other themes like privatized historical crime, impossible crimes so they readily agreed, oh, why don't you take some of the stories out and we'll keep them for volume two and you can commission another eight or nine stories uh, which i did and that will be volume 2 at some stage next year it's just been delivered
5: oh that's and all, with that's all new
6: writers who are not in the first volume
5: that's oh really well that's that's oh fine. yes
6: no no i wouldn't repeat a writer on the same theme uh, Purely because we have so many people
5: who wanted to (laughs) write. Yeah, that's that's fair. Maxim, I have to take a break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. All right. My guest is uh, Maxim Jakubowski. Am I saying that right, Maxim?
6: Yes, it is. That's fine.
5: Okay, good. Um, And uh, he has uh, brought back the. World's most loved detective Sherlock Holmes and we're gonna talk more about that after we let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few minutes.
3: Everybody's words. doing a brand new dance now.
7: Hi, this is Mark Farner and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program.
0: Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tom Sumner program celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan.
3: fabulous 60s the marches the beans, the draft card burnings and best of all the music well now apple house has collected the finest of those songs on one album called golden protest performed by the original artists who made them famous you're thrilled to society's child by James Ian. pleasant Valley sunday by the monkeys what have they done to the rain by the searchers in the ghetto by elvis Presley. Silent Night 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel. And who can ever forget this all time classic? Yes, it's Barry McGuire's Immortal Eve of Destruction. And of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring Vanilla Fudge, Blue Chair, Frigid Pink, Moby Grape, The Electric Prunes, Jeff's Airplane, Lotharine Hand People, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, cold in protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something that will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send 3.95 and check your money. Order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K, South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's 3.95 dollars and check your money to Apple House Box 70 Do it the summer program.com The TomSummerProgram.com The
0: Program.com. This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
5: Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour uh, put together a uh, book called The Book of Extraordinary New Sherlock Holmes Stories. Um, his name is Maxim Jakubowski. He joins me by phone from uh, the U.K. Maxim, welcome back. Thanks for uh, sticking around.
6: Oh, indeed, no No problem.
5: Um, you were talking about uh, what I think must have been one of the most enviable tasks I've ever heard of, and that was culling through all the submissions <laughs> of uh, Sherlock Holmes stories to pick the 17 that end up in this book and, and to set aside the ones that will be in Volume 2 next year. Um, and, and that had to be a pretty delightful task.
6: Uh, not necessarily. Uh, really, mind you. Obviously, I've spent my life as an editor. I worked in publishing for many years, so basically, that's my job. But uh, what is less delightful is the fact: uh, a, the fact that you have to make choices when the stories are good. Yeah, and you can't always include every. There's no way you can include everything, and also, and uh, it's inevitable. There are some stories where you read a page or two, and you know they're just not right. Uh, Although uh, in this instance, uh, my call for submission mostly went to established writers within uh, the Crime writers Association, Mystery Writers of America, and people I knew. But nonetheless, there were the words spread, and uh, there were lots of uh, what I would term unsolicited submissions. And uh, uh-huh. sadly, not all of them were. As readable as the stories I had to settle on, but uh, nonetheless, uh, <laughs> it is it is both pleasurable and painful. Can I say?
5: Well, I can, I can certainly understand that. Um, did you write anything for the book, or, or did you?
6: No, I didn't. You uh, stayed. I, am it, a write, I, I mean, I write, I, in my own right, I do write crime and I write fantasy, and I've also written <laughs> a lot of erotica. But um, I don't think. Um, that uh, when I edit a book, I should include any of my own stories. And further, I don't think I would be capable uh, of writing a good Sherlock Holmes story. Uh, I admire the people who can, but somehow uh, it's an area of writing which I love to read, but uh, I think I would find it very difficult to actually write. Uh, My books are very dark city stories, very contemporary. And in fact, the new novel I completed... uh, a couple of months ago, it's called uh, The Piper's Dance. Uh, it is a book about the children who were kidnapped by the Pied Piper of Hamelin. And somehow, it's all explained in the book, survived to the 20th century and then are pursued by the devil, who, of course, was a Pied Piper. And the book ends up in a kingdom of mermaids. So, not quite Sherlock Holmes territory.
5: <laughs> what What are the um, the ingredients that make a good Sherlock Holmes story?
6: Basically, I think the writer not, uh, not only has to have read the Karen Doyle uh, tales, but he should have a love and a sympathy for them, an em- em- a sense of empathy. Uh, and uh, I dare say, uh, um, and I don't think many people will challenge me once they see the book, I think every author selected has, does answer to those criteria. I mean, I'm looking up in front of them. I haven't even seen a copy of the book because it's on its way from the States right now. Uh, <laughs> but I'm looking at my manuscript here uh, on my screen, and uh, I mean, I can quote one or two of the wonderful titles from the short stories. Like, the opening uh, story of the book is called The Adventure of the Milford Silkworm, and is written actually by an Israeli writer who writes in English called Lavitida, who I think is one of the most imaginative writers uh, in the crime and the fantasy field. Today, his last book was like a new version of King Arthur and the uh, the Knights of the Round Table. Uh, I have another story by the American writer Bev Vincent, who recently did a book with Stephen King, uh, and that's called Bloody Sunday. Then the closing story of the book is called uh, The Case of a Terrified Tobacconist, which sounds almost like (laughs) a genuine uh, Conan Doyle story, and that was written by the British writer and playwright David Stewart Davis, who's one of the most eminent Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes specialists in the UK, and has actually written several books on the subject, some of the most definitive books on the subject, and then I can see at random. Another story which is quite poignant, not just because of the story, but the events surrounding it is by an English writer who wrote under the pen name of John. His real name was Paul Barnett, but all his books were written as John Grant. And he used to live in upstate New York. He moved to New York. His wife was American. And he moved to the States, I think, 20, 30 years ago. And his, adven- his story was called The Adventure of a Talking Board. And I won't give any away. Yeah, no either, spoiler alert. Sto- of the actual story, but uh, it's the events around the story. Um, I hadn't thought of asking John for a story because uh, it didn't, Sherlock Holmes didn't sound like a field that uh, he was interested in. I mean, one of his major books he wrote was the major book. It's I have it on my shelf next to me here. It's nearly a thousand page book on film noir, which is the definitive insightly video of film Noir. so I didn't think that Paul Elias John uh, would be interested but he heard about the uh, project and he sent me an email and said can I write a story and I said oh yes I mean I bought stories of his for previous books and I thought why not uh, it would be interesting to see John Grant's take on Sherlock Holmes and he wrote a story which came in and within 48 hours I'd read it and I knew that I wanted to take it and then 2 days later I had an email informing me that he died in his sleep the night, be- the night after you finished writing the story oh, of the wow. heart attack. Uh, so the book is actually in fact uh, dedicated to him. Uh, of course. It was re- it was released I could do so. In fact so we have uh, his last story and I think he must be actually smiling in his grave that uh, the last story he will be remembered for will be a Sherlock Holmes story. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that that is fascinating. The um you know, I I have to admit, Maxim, that my, my first love of Sherlock Holmes was uh ignited by the uh Basil Rathbone Nigel Bruce movies. Mm-hmm. Um, how do those hold up in in Holmes and Watson's
6: world? Well, you're part of the majority of Sherlock Holmes fans. Uh Still, the, uh, those particular films are, and that pers- that impersonation of Sherlock Holmes is the favourite uh, amongst most people. There are people who admire, obviously, uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch because he was so innovative, but obviously he was a very unusual. Uh, impersonation of Sherlock Holmes and an interesting uh, spin on it. But uh, I think uh, Rathbone is still seen by most uh, and possibly a little bit less, but still fairly important to all the fans. Uh, Jeremy, um, uh, Jeremy Brett. Brett. Yeah. Of course, because of the TV series. But there were so many. In fact, I can remember some years back, so I can't... Well, that was that was an interesting...
5: Many. That was an interesting project um, at the BBC, the the Jeremy Britt uh, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes stories, because um, it actually followed um, the the stories of Conan Doyle. It 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 tried to set up screenplays of all of those stories and act those stories out.
6: Yes, and uh, they were very faithful to them. And uh, mm-hmm. I think what also added to the Jeremy Britt series that. Is that, I mean, I, I never met Jeremy Brett, but uh, I've heard from people who knew him and from one or two books written about him and uh, the filming of the series that uh, he was a very troubled man and had a lot, actually, a lot in common with his character, which which is why he was so uh, believable in the role. But uh, as I said, uh, I saw something some years ago uh, that, in fact, um, Sherlock Holmes is a bit like, uh, maybe not as much, more than Poirot, but uh, almost as many as George Shimon's Magre has been uh, played by at least uh, 30 or 35 uh, actors uh, uh, since he was created. And not just in uh, the English-speaking world. I mean, there have been French, there have been Russian, there have even been Japanese Sherlock Holmes. (laughs)
5: Oh, that's interesting. I mean, he's He's a
6: universal character. I mean, he goes beyond language.
5: and and uh, and of course, a lot of people unless they're very, very faithful, Sherlock Holmes fans wouldn't realize that the um some of the the common images that we have, didn't come from uh, the the drawings that appeared in the Strand Magazine with Conan mm-hmm. Doyle's mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. It, yeah. it it popped up in uh, the character characterizations by William Gillette. Uh,
6: indeed, indeed, because obviously Gillette uh, wrote obviously the initial plays, which many people saw. Uh, I've never had an occasion to actually see any any of them performed because they haven't been performed in uh, the UK for many many years sadly.
5: There there is one that was filmed in Chicago. Yes. Mhm. And I've seen that one. I think if I'm not mistaken it's a silent film. But it actually has William Gillette in it.
6: Oh. That's interesting.
5: It's it's unusual. It just, I just I just saw this uh within the last uh several months, and I wish I could remember the title for you, Maxim. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, uh, I, I it can't. it
6: easy to research. Uh,
5: yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, I, u- I used
6: to run uh, uh, London's International Mystery Film Festival for 12 years uh, until we ran out of sponsors, so I have quite a lot of... Uh, Research tools to look into old movies. I'm happy to say, <laughs> so I'll certainly put it <laughs> at the back of my mind and keep an eye out for it to see if there's a copy in some archive somewhere. Yeah, it
5: was. Yeah. It was. Uh, it, it was. It was fun, and and it was. It was fun for me because I had heard about William Gillette, and it was an opportunity to actually see him perform the character. Of course, it was different uh-huh. because different. it was a silent film, so it it wouldn't have had maybe the same flow or energy that that the live performances in the plays Mm -hmm. would have but but it was it was uh it was fun and and like I said I am so looking forward to uh to reading this book and and now I'm I'm thrilled to learn that there's a second volume to look forward to so I I won't uh, get to the end and go darn it now I'm all out of Sherlock Holmes (laughs) stories again
6: (laughs) wonderful
5: (laughs) um so the um the book is called The Book of Extraordinary New Sherlock Holmes Stories and it uh it is out when?
6: Uh I think it comes out on the 15th of November.
5: Okay. And and it it will be uh, available, I'm sure where? Fine it, it will be available,
6: of through all bookshops. Uh, it'll be available online. Also, there is also a, a digital version, and there is also an audio version coming up.
5: I was going to ask about that. Um, did you have anything to do with the production of the uh, of the audio version? Who?
6: Very little, I'm afraid. Uh, authors or editors seldom do. Although in this case, uh, I was consulted when. Uh, the publishers are licensed to the audio rights to a major audio company. The audio company came back and asked me, oh, do you want what sort of voices do you want for the particular stories? So we decided, in fact, that uh, when the story was... Uh, in the uh, first person, I when it was actually when the if a respective story was narrated either by Sherlock Holmes himself or more likely Doctor Watson, then it would be an English voice. And if uh, when the story is in the third person, I an impersonal relating of uh, the tale, then we would go for an American voice as the book is being published in America. So there will be a variety of voices uh, on the audio version.
5: And the um and and we're I, I, I guess I'm trying to, to ask who some of those voices are, if if there's anybody uh, that of I don't note. Know. Uh
6: audio 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 companies use a variety of actors, uh and usually they do a great job. I'm not personally uh, a great listener of audio books. Uh I mean, many years ago, I had a whole load of audio books and I was driving from London to the south of France with our family on holiday. And I thought, oh, this will be a chance to listen to them. But once I started putting the tapes into the uh, player in the car, I was concentrating on so much that it was distracting my driving. So I couldn't. Ah. (laughs) So a lot of people love audio. Somehow, uh, I'm still an old-fashioned Luddite. I'm still a uh, printy... Books with printed pages, not even digitally. Uh, although obviously, uh, digital books and audio books have uh, increased the audience for reading uh, tenfold, and I welcome that uh, quite uh, fully.
5: Now, has it has it been a little different trying to um, trying to launch this book in the uh, shadow of a pandemic? Um,
6: not really, uh, because basically uh, it's probably more challenging, obviously, for the publishers, uh, for the writer, or in this case, the editor, basically, we're locked down at home sitting, so lockdowns haven't really made that much difference to our lives, apart from the fact that, of course, you can't have launch parties, uh, and you can't have, like, uh, conventions or conferences right now, which is sad. and but uh, basically, it's more of a problem for publishers. I mean, a lot of publish, major books by the big publishers have been delayed quite a bit. Uh, books which were going to be issued in uh, the springs have been delayed mostly to the autumn and then autumn books have carried on uh, to next year. So a lot of books have been delayed as a result. And right now, publishers are fairly cautious unless uh, it's a major bestseller in prospect Uh, so publishers are very slow in buying new books and many publishers still haven't obviously gone back to their offices I saw that uh, the Macmillan Group in America I just read yesterday that uh, they were going to reopen their offices in January now they've delayed it to July of next year so most people in publishing are still working from home Uh, but I think this is not just publishing I think uh, the effect of the pandemic is going to change the way people work, Uh, not as more people will be working from home in the future through Zoom or teleconferencing. Uh, So I think it's going to change the way we live, not just the way we live, but the way we read, the way we write. But uh, the one thing which has been uh, absolutely fascinating is that during the pandemic, even though bookshops have been closed, so obviously the great beneficiaries have been the online retailers, but book sales have actually not slowed down. People I, being at home, they've been reading more books.
5: That's. I was going to ask if if you thought that might be the case. Do you enjoy interaction with, uh, um, with readers at book signings and conventions and those kinds of things?
6: Uh, yes, I do. Uh, not so much at. Uh, I mean, uh, I do the occasional readings of my own books, and I do go to uh, uh one or two conventions every year, Baltricon, which is the big American. World, the World Mystery Convention, and we have a, a convention in England called Crime Fest, which takes place in mm. Bristol every year. Uh, which obviously uh, was cancelled. Uh, and I, every year at uh, in Bristol, I do on-stage interviews with major writers. Uh, I did Elmore Leonard, uh, Quentin Tarantino, and others over the years. And um, of course, um, as uh, vice chair of the climate association every year we give out the daggers which are similar to the edgars in america for the best books of the year and i chair i chair the daggers and we have every year we give them away in a rather sort severe black black tie sort of a evening dress a banquet in central london which is quite a prestigious event and this year we had to do it online mm. uh, but it worked quite well but obviously yeah for the authors involved, it's not the same, although all the authors, we had somebody in Australia, we had one in France, uh, they were there online, so they received their awards online, uh, it was quite an interesting format, but uh, I mean, writers basically live fairly isolated lives, because what we do is sit uh, somewhere in front of a uh, keyboard, uh, and we type away, so as a result, um, the Conviviality of the crime writing community, readers and conventions, is always welcome, and obviously we do miss it a lot.
5: Now, does this project uh, qualify you to become a member of the uh, Baker Street Irregulars?
6: I don't know, actually. Uh, I've never, because I've never thought of myself as. Uh, and I don't think a lot of the Baker Street Irregulars would see me as a Sherlockian. I mean, I've done this book because, obviously, I'm a professional editor and I love the subject. But uh, I think a lot of uh, Baker Street Irregulars might see me as an intruder because of the nature of uh, my own writing, which is much darker and much more cynical. <laughs> um, I think I'm one of the only, I'm one of the only uh, crime writers in the world who actually had a book banned uh, in Turkey, which I'm quite proud of because of uh, certain sexual aspects of the book. Uh, so, um, as a result, I'm not sure how welcome I would be uh, by the Baker Street regulars, although, obviously, in, if they invited me, I would join uh, at a pinch, absolutely. But I think it's my invitation.
5: Yeah, I th- I th- it probably is. I know a few years ago I had Leslie Klinger on the show talking yes, about his we book. You did
6: the that, annotated uh, Sherlock Holmes yeah, book. Yeah,
5: the Sherlock Holmes book. And... Um, and he was a very proud member of the uh, Baker Street Irregulars and that was when I first learned that the organization even existed and one of the things we were talking about the role that that London plays in the Sherlock Holmes stories and it's always been fascinating to me that the the section of um, Baker Street didn't exist until fairly recently where 221B would have been.
6: Yes, I mean, I think 221 is actually a bit where what we in England call a building society, i.e. it's a sort of, not quite a bank, but companies who give people mortgages to buy shops, and they actually uh, centralize, they've got somebody who works part-time at the building society just picking up the mail for Sherlock Holmes (laughs) and doing answers, actually, to fans.
1: Oh,
5: that's fun. Um, yeah in fact i think at, at one time weren't people selling bricks that were supposed to have come from T21 B <laughs> Baker Street
6: <laughs> they're probably more expensive than bricks from the Berlin wall <laughs> maybe
5: maybe that's true um maxim i i want i want to ask cuz we're almost out of time um yeah I, I i can't believe how fast the time is going um mm-hmm. But uh, but I have a break coming up here in a couple of minutes, and um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, yeah, and right. future. Do you have a website, Maxim?
6: I do. It's pretty standard. It's uk. Well, and it lists uh, my 20 novels, 100 anthologies, and... Uh, another 15 or 16 books uh, of non-fictional short stories.
5: Well, Maxim, it's it's been an honor and a privilege to get a chance to talk with you a little bit this morning. Thank you.
6: It's been very enjoyable. Thank you, Tom.
5: All right. Take care.
6: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
5: That was Maxim uh, Jakubowski. He is uh, the sort of, I I guess you would say, creative force behind the um, new book, the book of extraordinary new Sherlock Holmes stories and uh, as I've mentioned many times I, I am a huge fan of Sherlock Holmes and uh, what what they've done which is is really fascinating is created 17 nos- new stories uh, somewhat in the style of um, Arthur Conan Doyle who uh, created Dr. Holmes and her Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson Holmes's uh, biographer in the stories. Anyway, um, we got lots more coming up on today's edition of the Tom Sumner program, so uh, we're going to take a short break and uh, we'll be back with more. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions, and my good friend Paul Herring. And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And then, uh, and then we'll be back with, uh, with lots more of the Tom Sumner program. Coming up in the uh, next hour, we're going to be talking to an author, another uh, memoir, if you will.
0: Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacle major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila!
2: Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council.
4: In the interest of goodwill, the Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman steady sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you. Could you be happy if your name was?
7: This is U.S.
5: Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Another five-minute mystery. See if you can solve the case before the end of the program. Well, Alice, one more block
2: and you'll behold the Brooks household.
0: Two whole years, Jim. It just doesn't seem possible. It's been so long. You and Dorothy married and with a place of your own?
2: Ah, it's true, all right. Only too bad you haven't taken advantage of the old Brooks hospitality sooner. Well,
0: I'm here now and I intend on having a perfectly wonderful time.
2: Now, here we are.
0: Oh, what a charming place this is.
2: Dorothy's probably on needles and pins waiting for me to get you here. Darling, it's Jim. Here's Alice. (gasps) Jim, look! What?
7: Where?
0: There, on the living room floor. It's Dorothy, dead.
7: Mr. Brooks, I'm afraid you and Miss Manning will have to submit to some routine questions. I'll be happy to help in any way I can, Inspector. Thank you, Miss Manning. Now, Mr. Brooks, while we're waiting for some information I phoned for, I want you to tell me exactly what happened this morning.
0: Well, there's nothing much to
2: tell. Both my wife and I were quite excited, expecting Alice, that is, Miss Brand- Miss Manning here, to visit us from Chicago. I was to wait until she called me at the office.
7: And you were there all morning?
2: Yes, until Miss Manning's train arrived and we came out here.
0: I had written Mrs. Brooks to tell her that I would call Jim at the office as soon as I arrived. The train was an hour late. Maybe if I had been here earlier, it may have been prevented.
7: Hmm, well that remains to be seen. Apparently, Miss Brooks was sitting here in this chair putting red polish on her fingernails when she was shot from behind. The polish is spilled all over the carpet, and she was still holding the tiny brush in her hand. She must have recognized her attacker, and since she did not die instantly, she printed these three initials here on the floor with the polish, D-O-C.
2: D-O-C? I wish we could tell whose initials she was trying to reveal.
7: Yeah, sure you don't know anyone whose name would fit that? Positive. I can't. Oh, oh. Yes, Miss Manning, can you think of somebody with those initials?
0: Well, I, I... D-O-C spells Doc, and it's Mr. Brooks' nickname.
2: Why, it can't be. Yes, Mr. Brooks. I haven't been called Doc in over two years. It was a nickname I picked up in school. My wife didn't like the name and never used it. No one in New York even knows me by Doc. I've, you've got to believe me, Inspector.
7: It's the truth. Hmm. Well, that we'll see. Just a minute. Hello? Yes, Grady. Yes. I see. Well, it's sewed up anyway. Thanks. Well, you both will be happy to know our little murder is solved. Oh, then... then it wasn't Doc after all? No, Miss Manning, it wasn't Doc. I'm arresting you, Miss Manning, for the murder of Dorothy Brooks.
5: Why did the inspector arrest Miss Manning for the murder of Mrs. Brooks? In a moment, we'll hear... And now, back to our story.
0: How dare you arrest me! I was still on the train!
7: Your train wasn't late, Miss Manning. That phone call just verified the fact... You came out here, murdered Miss Brooks, returned to the station, and called Mr. Brooks to pick you up. That wasn't what really gave you away, though, Miss Manning. Too bad you didn't know Mr. Brooks was no longer called Doc when you printed those letters on the carpet. The next time you leave a name as a clue to throw suspicion, you'd better get the name right. But of course, there won't be a next time, will there, Miss Manning?
5: Join us again next time for another chance to solve a five minute mystery.
0: to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
4: I was a disc jockey when I was 19. I was lucky. I found a job like, you know, when I should have been uh, still learning about it and uh, it inspired Wonderful Wino and Willie West, a character of mine, Radio stations, of course, change personnel rather rapidly. Willie West is no longer at Wonderful Wino. He's been replaced by Scott Lame. Hi, gang! Scott Lame here! The boss jock with the boss sounds from the boss list of the boss 30 that my boss told me to play! Right here on the nifty 850 w <laughs> w Wonderful Wino Radio! Wonderful Wino the big sound in the big town why no time bing bong five minutes past the big hour five o'clock hey we'll get started one of the big sounds this week number five number five number five number five number five Number five. last week was number nine number nine number nine number nine number nine number nine <laughs> moved up four spaces four spaces four spaces four spaces four spaces <laughs> here it is one of the new super groups crosby stills nash young merrill lynch pierce sacco and vanzetti <laughs> And the ever-present footprints cross the shadows on the carpets of the hallways of the memories of your mind. Okay, kids, one of the big sounds and a great story behind that one. And you heard it first right here on Wonderful Wino, wonderful Wino. Wino time, bing-bong, five minutes past the big hour, five o'clock. Moving along with two in a row, a big double play, back-to-back sounds for you on this Scott Lane get-together on a wonderful Wednesday. Here's a tune that's really moving fast. When I say fast, it was recorded at nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> At 12 noon it was number 15, at 3 o'clock was the number one sound in town, and now it's a golden oldie! (laughs) Solid gold to make you feel old. Solid gold to make you feel old. A golden flashback from the summer of 69, before you were born, remember kids? Here they are, the red, white, and blue electric outdoor Protestant blues band. Jenny! Whee!
6: Jenny okay.
4: okay it's always good to get into some super go
6: super
1: gold.
4: Okay, we'll take about five minutes out here for the latest news from around the world from the award-winning Wino Newsroom, and then back with more of the big sounds for you here on the Scott Lane Get Together for wonderful Wednesday afternoon. Wino time, Bing pong five minutes past the big hour of five o'clock. Soon as we come back, we'll be listening on Medical Records, Won't You Take My Heart by the Donors, and My Body is Rejecting Your Heart by the Recipients. But first, Wino News! Wino News! Wino! From around the world, across the nation, and up your street, (laughs) here it is, Wino News, with Wino Newsman Bill (laughs) Pieper, Saigon, (laughs) Phnom Penh, Bangkok! That's it from wino News. Details on the half hour. Okay, kids, and back with more of the big sounds for you here. wino no time, bing bong. Five minutes past the big hour of five o'clock. Right here on Wonderful Wino, Wonderful Wino. More hits more often. Big number seven this week. Number seven, number seven, number seven, number seven, number seven, number seven. Number seven. This is one of the great bands from San Francisco. Brain damage. <laughs> and a tune that's uh, really making it for them in fact it's number three, number three number three number three number three number three number three that's right it moved up four spots while i was talking about it and here it is <laughs> okay one of the big sounds that you heard right here uh, wonderful why wonderful why no why no time Bing pong five minutes past the big hour five o'clock and say stick around following the show kids will be featuring some local basketball local basketball <laughs> today andy Granatelli vocational plays <laughs> The Mighty Purple of Owsley High. One of the big games doing. okay, let's move back with more of the big sounds. Billy and the Blemishes and One Last Pimple. I got one last pimple from going steady with you. Don't know whether to break it or leave it alone. It's- the only one I call my own. <laughs> hey, and don't forget, kids, if you have a problem like that, yes, if you're the only one in the crowd who doesn't have unsightly blemishes, pick up on On! <laughs> now you can put them anywhere you want. Put them all on one side of your face and look the other way. Put a peace sign on your forehead. Spell out your girlfriend's name on your back. Hey, coming up during the next hour here on the uh, Scott Lame Show, we'll be listening to the new John Lennon single, which, if you play it backwards at slow speed, it screws up your needle. (laughs) And don't forget, the Associated Press tells us that 218 people have been killed on the nation's highways. The National Safety Council expects a total of 500. You're not trying, friend. Thank you, guys.